0: thing God's love is. Amen? Please remain standing as we read this morning's scripture, which comes from 1 Corinthians 12, 31b to 14.1. It's also on the back of my screen or the monitors around you. And I will show you a still more excellent way. If I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I am a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. And if I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, When I became a man, I gave up childish ways. For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, then I shall know fully, even as I have been fully known. So now faith, hope, and love abide, these three. But the greatest of these is love. Pursue love and earnestly desire the spiritual gifts, especially that you may prophesy. You may be seated.
1: Probably one of the most beautiful chapters in the Bible. Probably also one of the most familiar. I think that probably most of us have gone to weddings where First Corinthians 13 is read, and sometimes even maybe a message is given on First Corinthians 13. Even non-Christians use the love chapter because of this idea that love never ends. That there's something that never fails. um, That there's something that can endure all things. It is indeed one of the most beautiful ideas that mankind can have. You think about a wedding and a couple as a husband and wife, as they stand the wedding and they're told that they may kiss. This is the kind of love that is flowing through this newly married Couple's mind. But this is not the original intent of 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Instead, Paul is rebuking the Corinthians for its abuse of spiritual gifts. This background information is so often forgotten, and we can become so familiar with Scripture that we fail to look at the background information. If we do, we ignore and missed probably the major point of this chapter, First Corinthians 13. Paul goes um, on and he talks about the fact that that love is an action, it's not an emotion. He writes that love is something that is that is seen, is experienced, this is demonstrated. And this of course goes against everything in our culture because our culture, everything is based on feelings and. We do what we want to do because we feel like it. And if we don't feel like it, we don't do it. But since love is an action and not an emotion, we need to study what God says about love. We need to know what love is and what it's not and what it looks like in the life of the church. It's just lived out. If you remember, the first Corinthians had gotten into a few arguments about who was the most eloquent, who was the smartest, who was the most spiritually sensitive, and it could go on. Who was the most important? They believed so much in excellence, but excellence in the sense of it sets me apart from everybody else. Sunday mornings have become a time of competition instead of worship. There was jockeying for position. Who has the best spiritual gifts? It's in this context that Paul writes First Corinthians chapter 12, verse 31, eagerly desire the greater gifts, I will show you still a more excellent way. The word excellent here is, that comes from two root words. One means to throw. You can just imagine throwing a ball. And the other, over or beyond. So metaphorically excellent here, carries with that idea of going beyond. Going beyond. Paul is saying to the Corinthians, I want to show you a way that's far better than what you have. It goes far beyond what you're doing and far beyond what you're thinking. It's in this context that Paul addresses the Corinthians. And it's broken down in three basic sections. First, In verses 1 through 3, we see that love is greater than all the spiritual gifts that they were arguing over. And secondly, that love is expressed through attitudes and through actions and through behavior. In verses 4 through 7, that love is eternal and it outlasts all these spiritual gifts that the Corinthians were fighting and arguing about and longing to have. First Corinthians was written over 2,000 years ago. But it's still so very relevant for us today in our own lives. Paul interrupts his teaching on spiritual gifts, which are in chapter 12 and 14, to stress the importance of love over gifts. He basically says that spiritual gifts have little value without love. The love chapter is set right in the midst of a conflict over spiritual gifts. Paul makes it clear that to the Corinthians that love must be the motivating force behind the use of their gifts, and that there should be no competition. They're trying, if you remember, to elevate certain gifts above others, but Paul affirms all the spiritual gifts and says that they are given by God for the church, and Paul sets boundaries on their purposes for worship service. Paul's test we'll see in chapter 13 for spiritual gifts is, are they exercised in love? Well, let's look at chapter 13, verses 1, 2, and 3. If I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but I have not love, I'm a noisy gong or clanging cymbal. If I have Prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge. And if I have all faith, so as to move mountains, but I have not love, I am nothing. If I give away all I have, and if I deliver my body to be burned, but have not love, I gain nothing. We see in this section then that love is greater than any spiritual gift. It gives Meaning to what we say and know and do. The gifts mentioned here were those that were most sought after among the Corinthians speaking in tongues, prophecy, faith toward miracles, knowledge, and giving. And these first three verses drive home the same truth over and over in different ways as illustrations of that principle without love. The best use of your gift is worth nothing to the believer. Well, from the beginning, Paul hits hard. He he goes for the gut, so to speak. Or maybe he goes for the heart, because the speaking in tongues was by far the one that they were most impressed with. First one, if I speak in tongues of men and of angels, but I have not love, I'm a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. When I read that, I can't but think of maybe a kid who is learning to play the drums. You ever been around a kid who is learning to play drums? And I go on and on and on. Paul says, You speak in tongues of men and of angels, but you don't have love. You sound like a kid. Trying to play the drums. Paul is saying that without love, whether one speaks eloquently as the Corinthians wanted, sought after, or speaking in tongues. It's noise. It's noise. It may sound impressive. It may be eloquent. But it's empty. It's empty. In verse 2, he is the Corinthians who also prophesied a lot. Who claim to have this inside knowledge, this inside knowledge of mysteries and of the faith. Verse 2 says, If I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and knowledge, and I have all faith so as to remove mountains, but I have not love, I am nothing. He hits at this premium in their life intelligence, insight, and secret knowledge. And he says, If I have all these gifts, but I don't have love. I'm nothing. But see, remember, the Corinthians believed that they, with these special gifts, were higher and more spiritual than anyone else. Well, verse 3 hammers home again that point, one more time, with the extreme example of total self abandonment and giving. It says, if I give away all that I have, and if I deliver my, up my body to be burned, but I have not love, I gain nothing. Verse 3 causes us to think about some, some, some of the activities, I think. Giving to the poor is very important, isn't it? And it doesn't take away from that. But it says, if I give everything I have away to the poor... I don't have love, I gain nothing. He goes on, he says, "If I deliver my body to be burned, I don't have love. I gain nothing. I, as I read this, I could not help to think of in some countries, Mexico, the Philippines, I believe they're Catholics, and I know this is not all of them. But sometimes you'll, you'll see how they beat their backs to, as blood as they are going toward um, the crosses where they are nailed themselves uh, or have themselves nailed to the cross. We know that all this is of no value. in The same way that we can burn our bodies and yet we don't have love. These extreme examples show us, though, that without love, that all we do is useless. Someone has summarized these three verses as, Without love, I, am, I, I say nothing, I am nothing, and I gain nothing. I like that. I, I say nothing because without love I sound like noisy gong or clanging cymbal. I, I am nothing even if I have faith to move, remove mountains. But I have love. And I gain nothing, even if I give away everything that I have, or I burn my body. They love to show off their gifts, these Corinthians did, but they didn't have love. They might say, Look at my spiritual giftedness, look at my talents. Or maybe they might say, Look how well I sing. Or how well I play my instrument, or how well I preach. You know, but no matter how talented one is, no matter how much gifted we, giftedness we have without love, it amounts to zero. I, I still think back to as a little kid, I guess second or third grade, when I learned the multiplication tables. And I learned that one times zero equals zero. And two times zero equals Zero. I remember my brothers and others tried to trick me, and they would go up and they'd say, Well, Ralph, what does a hundred times zero equal? And I would get confused. I might say a hundred. Then they'd go on and say, What about a thousand times zero? You see, the truth is, we can do all these things without love, it amounts to zero. To zero. Does love drive your motivation and my motivation to use our spiritual gifts? Or do we serve out of a sense of obligation? Somebody's got to do it. Does anything else motivate us to use our spiritual gifts? Paul suggests that instead of competing in the use of spiritual gifts, they should compete in love. See who could out-love one another. After talking about the importance of love while exercising spiritual gifts, Paul moves on to describe what love is and how it might be expressed. And we see in verses 4 through 7 that love is expressed through attitudes and actions and behavior. Verse 4, let's read. Love is patient and kind. And love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, and endures all things. Just the other day I was talking to someone and we're talking about how we can say that we love somebody, but what do our actions show? I gave the illustration of a young man who is, who, who is trying to reach out to a young woman with, with wrong motivation, wrong desires, with a desire to have sex. And, and he tells her over and over how much he loves her. And maybe he's able to to get what he wants there. And then he moves on to the next woman. He begins the same thing. Those guy the, the the guy's words are empty. They're empty. I don't care whether you throw in flowers or a nice meal. It's empty. I stress that words can be so hollow and so Empty, so meaningless. If they're not backed up by actions and by behavior, and that goes in all areas of life. We can say that we love somebody, that we respect somebody, you go down with that we care about them. But if our actions prove contrary, our words are empty. Our words are empty. Tell me. What you mean by love? What is it and what is it not? Well, again, love is expressed through our actions, through our attitudes, and through our behavior. And in verses 4 through 7, there are 15 words that describe love. And, and what I did, if you can just kind of imagine my own, in, in your mind, I took a sheet of paper and I divided it into two columns. And on one side, love is. And on the other side, Love is not, or love does not do these things. If you run through those verses, we see first that love is patient, love is kind. And he starts off right there, right? And are we not all honest at times in the midst of life? Maybe it's a co worker, maybe it's our child, maybe it's our parent. Sometimes our words don't come across just right, do they? Sometimes we're not patient. But love is patient. Love is kind. But love does not envy on this other side. Love does not boast. It's, it's not proud. It's, it doesn't go around bragging. Love is not arrogant. It's not puffed up. Love is not rude. It doesn't dishonor others. Love does not insist on its own way. It's not self seeking. Love is not irritable, not easily angered. Love is not resentful. It doesn't keep a record of wrongs that have been done. But love rejoices in truth, but not in wrongdoing. It doesn't delight in evil. Love bears all things. It never grows tired of support. It believes all things. Never loses faith. It hopes all things. Never exhausts hope. Endures all things. Never gives up. Hope never gives up. If you look at this passage, and you can see my sheet of paper with all the things that love is, the positive side, And on the right, all the things that love is not. You have a good description on the right of what love is not that describes the Corinthians. This is a pretty strong punch in the stomach of the Corinthians. Think about it. This is what the Corinthians were. Paul had taken 12 chapters, the 12 previous chapters, describing them as keeping a record of wrongs, self-seeking, arrogant, proud, boastful, bragging, envious of others. This is a strong rebuke, right in the middle of the love chapter. Six times in 1 Corinthians 13, it it talks about them being bragging or puffed up. In chapter 1, we see that they are quarreling over leaders. Chapter 3, they boast about their leaders. Chapter uh, 3, um, they're jealous and quarreling again. Chapter 4, puffed up. 5, delighting in evil. If you remember the, the man who was having an uh, inc- ancestral relationship with his father's wife. 6, lawsuits against each other. Immorality. 10, idolatry. 11, if you remember, they were rude. In the midst of the Lord's Supper, they came and didn't wait on those who were poor and ate without them, getting drunk. It's very clear that the Corinthians were characterized by these things that Paul said that love is not. The truth is is we're all motivated by love, either love for others and love for God or love for ourselves. Gordon fee as he looks at these gifts and he looks at the issue of love, says that love is not set up against the spiritual gifts, but rather it's the way the spiritual gifts function. It's, it's, if you will, it's the engine that motivates or moves the gifting. Well I talked a while ago about multiplication tables. let's take a test. Okay, let's take a test. Am I patient with my co-worker or with my child early in the morning when I'm rushing? Am I kind? Do I brag? Am I puffed up over my spiritual gifts? Or am I envious over the gifts my brothers and sisters in Christ I self-serving well after giving us a picture of what love looks like and what it doesn't look like Paul then moves on to show them that love is eternal outlasting spiritual gifts let's look at verses 8 through 13 love never fails it's but where there, is, there are prophecies, they will cease. Where there are tongues, they will be stilled. Where there is knowledge, they will pass away. For we know in part, and we prophesy in part, but when completeness comes, what is in part disappears. When I was a child, I talked like a child. I, I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. And when I became a man, I put away the ways of childhood behind me. For now we see only a reflection as in a mirror, but then we shall shall see face to face. But now I know in part, and then I shall know fully, even as I am fully known. Now these three things remain, faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is love. Paul is saying that one day the spiritual gifts will end, but love will continue on. When we get to heaven, the prophecies will cease, the tongues will be stilled, knowledge will be passed away. We won't need these spiritual gifts anymore because we'll be in God's presence. We'll be with him. We'll know him as he is. Our views won't be distorted by sin or by our finiteness or by cultural views. We'll know him as he is. Paul gives us here two images that show a transition from this present age and into eternity. The first one is of a child growing to maturity. In verse 11, when I was a child, I talked like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I put a put the ways of childhood behind me. Paul says, When I grew up, I stopped acting like a child. Paul basically says that tongues and prophecy and these clever sounding words of knowledge are in a sense child's play when you look at eternity. He says, Give me something that will carry me through eternity. Give me something that will last In other words, give me love. Give me love. Because that's the highest form of knowledge that we can attain in this world for the world to come. I think that we could all agree that children are immature. Some children are more mature than others, but children are, by nature, immature. And they're concerned about what? They're concerned about themselves, right? They, they are concerned about the immediate, about now, about the present. How many, how many of you have been to Target or to any store and you see a mom with little kids? And little kids are kind of pitching a fit. They're crying out, this thing, they're, saying, they're you know, stomping their feet. And they're saying, "Mom, I want this." I've even seen them lying on the floor, rolling around. I know none of our children ever did that, but it's other kids. Kids, they want it now, now. How many taking long trips? Are we almost there, Dad? Are we there? No no son we're just five minutes down the road on a thirteen hour trip. Kids, they desire the immediate, but but as we get older, we no longer need those toys that we pitched a fit for. We look at them and we laugh. We laugh. See, as adults, we think differently. We think differently. Paul is saying, grow up. Grow up. He says we'll no longer need the spiritual gifts because we'll be with God. The spiritual gifts that used to encourage us here on earth will no longer be needed. We won't need prophecy because we will know God. We will see Him. I think that we can all agree that in the midst of Corinth was a mindset. It wasn't so much about how can I be holy? How can I be like Christ? But it was how can I get these toy like spiritual gifts that makes me look good? that sets me apart. Do you see the childishness of it all? You see, real love sees spiritual gifts as being for the church. If I have a gift it's for you. And if you have a gift, it's for me. We're to build each other up. We're to encourage each other. We're to exhort each other. Our gifts aren't to make us look good. Our gifts are to build the body of Christ up. Well, Paul uses the second illustration to drive home his point in verse 12. That of a miracle. For now we see only a reflection in a, as in a mirror, and then we shall see face to face. Corinth was famous for its polished metal mirrors. I mean, they were probably the best in that time period, but they still distorted the picture of, of who looked in. The same way that today that we're hindered as we look at who God is, Because of sin, because of our limited perspective, because of a culture that goes against everything that God's Word says, we too have a distorted picture of who God is. Have you ever looked back, generally when you look back and you're driving and you you see an ambulance coming behind you and you're able to read the wording on it. Sometimes I think people who have these vehicles, they forget that when you look back in a mirror, It's reverse. It's opposite. And so sometimes I've looked back and I've seen writing on vehicles and you can't read it. Because they see when we look in a mirror, part of the distortion is it's reverse. It's opposite. And Paul says here that as we will in the here and now that our Perspective is distorted, just like looking in a mirror. We look in a mirror and we can see, but it's not real clear. As a matter of fact, it's reverse. And now as we live on earth, we have a picture of who God is. We understand a little bit of who he is. We understand a little bit of his plan, but he's distorted. The key here is, I think, is the difference between seeing something indirectly through a mirror and seeing face to face and that eye contact. I know all those who who use their phone systems and are able to see each other FaceTime, right? You can see each other, and I've used it a few times. I've even used it for counseling, long distance. But, you know, FaceTime is good if you don't have anything else. But when I'm counseling with somebody, I don't like doing counseling on FaceTime. I can't see them well. We need face-to-face. And when we get to heaven, we'll see God in a way that we have never seen before. Face-to-face. Well, verse 12b ties back to verses 9 and 10. Now I know in part, then I shall know fully, even as I am fully known. Verse 9 and 10. For we know in part, and we prophesy in part, But when completeness comes, what is in part disappears. One day, again, we'll see face-to-face. We no longer know things in part, as I was saying. We'll not need our spiritual gifts. We won't need to prophesy. We won't need all these things because we'll be in God's presence. We need to understand, again, so clearly that the spiritual gifts temporary, helps here on earth for us for building up the body of Christ verse 13 says that these three remain faith, hope and love and the greatest of these is love love is the greatest of these because of, of a couple reasons we walk by faith, right? We walk by faith and not by sight. But when we get to heaven, we'll see. Second word, hope. Hope anticipates. We, we hope with a, with a hope knowing that we will get to heaven. And we'll see God. So hope anticipates, but hope will be fulfilled. So these, all this hope that we've had on earth will be fulfilled. Love must be a priority in our lives. 1 Corinthians chapter 14 verse 1, I believe, ends this section, and he says, pursue love. Earnestly desire the spiritual gifts, especially prophecy. Pursue love. After going through all this, he says, pursue love. Paul has clarified what love is. Love is greater than any spiritual gift love is not just emotions it's expressed through actions and attitudes and behavior and love is eternal and it lasts beyond all spiritual gifts the need for genuine christ-like love remains as great today as when paul was writing to the corinthians one of our problems is defining love our culture has a very different view of what love is, especially when you compare to what God's Word says. But our literature, our music, our advertising, the visual arts, all distort what love is. A good example of this is a lady, a doctor named Barbara Fedrickson, who's a professor of psychology at University of North Carolina. She suggests in her book, Love 2.0, I think she's kind of playing off, you know, we upgrade our our computer software and it's, you know, it's whatever, number six or whatever, or 6.5 or whatever, where hers is Love 2.0. And she says in her book, Love 2.0, that love needs an upgrade. It needs a modernization. The old love, she didn't say it, but biblical love is outmodeled. We need a new model. And what does her model look like? She says that love is not exclusive. Love's timetable is far shorter than we typically think. Love is not lasting. She even makes the comment that when she's not with her husband, she doesn't love him. Love is not lasting. And most challenging, love is not... Unconditional. I read through that and it's, like, it's just like all these red flies blasting at me because every comment she makes goes against what God's Word says. But this is the professor and she's not unusual and she's teaching our next generation. She's teaching our young men and women what... Is love to Love, she says, is a micro moment of warmth and connection that you share with another living being. Isn't that sweet? Love is a micro moment of warmth and connection that you share with another living being. Love is an emotion. A momentary state. You couldn't have written that even on campus a few years ago. But today, it's accepted. And The sad thing is, it's clear that sometimes our young Christian students go off to universities and they begin to buy in to these false views about what love and what life is all about was clear from this chapter that Paul sees love as an action. Unconditional commitment, no matter what Dr. Fredrickson says. It's a promise. It's not to be broken. We face we some of the issues that Paul faced as he looked at verses 1 through 3 regarding the spiritual gifts. Today, there's still tongue-speakers who insist that everyone must speak in in tongues. A very unloving thing to do, since it's God who gives the gift of tongues. We should be quick to reject claims that promote a supposed prophecy of or tongues over Scripture, or even claims that make them equal with God's written word. Today, as we look around and live our lives, many Christian intellectuals destroy their opponent's views and arguments, but they also destroy their opponent as they write, as they talk on TV. It's almost as if they're non-believer. Liberal Christians too often substitute social action for genuine Christian conversion. And we must not allow our culture to say that we're haters because we believe the gospel is true, that Jesus Christ is the only way to God our Father. We're to be involved in meeting the needs of those around us, but social action alone is not the gospel. Today, I believe very much that... I see I flip through TV stations I see these people on some of these programs and it seems like that, that today that the big thing is is we're to demand our rights it's a virtue it's a virtue to demand our rights, but God's word says that we should not be self-seeking but at the same time when we go through life and we're faced with these hard difficulties when we understand love's limits, we also avoid codependency. I believe that the most loving thing that we can do for someone who has repeatedly been abusive, maybe an alcoholic or a drug addict, is not to cover up for them. Covering up for someone like that is not love. It's codependency. We should not believe their empty promises of change, but insist that they get professional help and refuse to carry on with business as usual, if it does not. I've had loved ones and dear friends that I've confronted and talked with and make excuses. And as we think of love, where there's abuse of alcohol or drugs, physical abuse, or emotional abuse, it's not love to let that continue. Finally, I think in the area of sexual abuse in our culture, we continue to see our media paint every possible form of homosexual or heterosexual sin as desirable while refusing to depict or even to acknowledge positive married life, particularly of those that are based on Christian values. Well, Paul says that love builds up, but knowledge puffs up. Love builds up. Knowledge Puffs up, causes division and discord. Paul again clarifies for us love is greater than any spiritual gift. Love is expressed through our attitudes and actions and behavior. It's eternal, it's greater than any spiritual gift. Homework. We've talked about multiplication tables, we've talked about you've had a test, homework. Over the next week, I want you to think and to pray and determine if your actions, your spiritual gifts, use, are motivated by love for God and for others. Or, confess your sins if you're motivated by love for yourself. Measure your life against God's definition of love. Remember, God is a God of love. God so loved the world that he gave his only Son that whoever would believe in him would not perish but have everlasting life. Let's pray. Our Father, this morning we acknowledge that we fall short.